What's up, Steeler fans? It's your boy, Daniel J. The newest host for Behind the Steel Curtain. And welcome to the pilot podcast for State of the Steelers, a podcast where we discuss and talk the current conditions of the Pittsburgh Steelers and try to answer the tough questions. Today, we're going to discuss, have the Pittsburgh Steelers done enough on the offense and defense to become a contender in the 2022 season? There's a lot of hot takes going on right now, indicating that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be drafting in the top 10 next season. Um, even Vegas has the win, um, the Steelers win, um, win loss over under at seven and a half wins, meaning that the Steelers will have their first losing season under Mike Tomlin. And since Ben Roethlisberger, before Ben Roethlisberger was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers since the 2003 season in which the Pittsburgh Steelers went six and 10. That's insane to me, guys. I think that the uh, there is a lot of talent on this team, and I don't foresee that being the case. I'm not saying that the Steelers are going to win the AFC North, which I, I do think they very well could be. I don't see this being a division that needs more than 10 wins to take the North. But, you know, I still do think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a winning franchise this season and be a in contention for the playoffs. Now, there are some big holes left on this team, and we're going to discuss, you know, those uh, those holes and and what the Pittsburgh Steelers may or may not do to fill those you know those holes that are still left there. And before we move on to the first hole, so to speak, or the first move that needs to be made, let's look back at the one that was most recently made this past week when uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were reporting to training camp. The Steelers announced that they have signed running back Jeremy McNichols. Five foot nine, running back out of Boise State. He's been a bit of a journeyman. He's been in a few teams since entering the league uh, most recently, and most of his experience and most of his stats come from the last two seasons when he was a member of the Tennessee Titans. McNichols is a uh, a situational football player. He's not an every down back, in my opinion. He doesn't have the breakaway speed. In fact, he's slower than Najee Harris. He doesn't have the ability to move back and forth or be shifty like a uh, Anthony McFarlane is. In fact, guys, I highly recommend you guys go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and read the article from Jeffrey Benedict and uh, Dave Schofield called The Vertex, where they discuss Jeremy McNichols in, in detail and give a, a great perspective of the kind of back that he is. Now, what I gathered from the film and from that article is, you know, some of the highlights from his game is that he is really good when it comes to pass protection, picking up defenses, picking up the blitz, reading defenses and helping out the offensive line, chipping wherever he needs to when the offensive line is, you know, that maybe the offensive lineman is getting overpowered by the defense, you know, defensive player at that point. You know, he seems like a very solid pickup. Um, he has great hands out of the backfield. I don't anticipate this guy being a D'Angelo Williams to Le'Veon Bell type running back. This guy is more of a Moeldy Moore type running back that's going to be in there in situational ball, uh, mainly probably third immediate. I believe third and short, Najee Harris is going to be in there. Maybe even third and long, you'll see McNichols come in. However, like I said, if Najee, you know, um, uh, where to go down, I don't foresee a McNichols being a running back that's going to be able to take the load, so to speak. Uh, I don't see, you know, if the 
if the Steelers fans were hoping for a D'Angelo Williams tile or type of running back to back up Najee Harris, uh, that was never going to be the uh, the case. Mike Tomlin is um, has self-reportedly called himself very routine. If uh, very routine, I'm sorry. If you go to and watch the uh, Pivot podcast where he was a guest um, here recently, he talks about how routine he is and and how he likes to stick to a certain way of doing things. And I don't foresee him swaying or changing his ways. He's had a bell cow running back since Le'Veon Bell, and, and that worked for the Pittsburgh Steelers up until playoff time. Usually the running backs, you know, even Najee Harris, um, were a little bit dinged up when it came time for playoffs because of the fact of the nature in which they were used throughout the season. Now, with that being said, I feel that the uh, running back position, as far as the backup goes, is going to be a running back by committee type of situation. For instance, if Najee needs to be spelled and it's a uh, short distance or a power running you know, situation, expect to see Benny Snell come out. Now, a lot of folks are thinking that maybe perhaps Benny Snell is getting kicked off this team due to the fact that the Steelers have signed McNichols. I don't think that's the case. I don't see McNichols as being a replacement for Benny Snell. Uh, in fact, um, I think maybe perhaps he's a replacement for Anthony McFarland. Not so much because he is a similar skill set, but because reports indicated from training camp early on this week was that um, in situational ball where Najee Harris wasn't in the in the game, uh, McNichols was taking more reps than McFarlane was. And so I can see that being a case where McFarlane is the odd man out, so to speak. But back to the uh, the main focus, which is I think it's going to be a running back by committee. And if, unfortunately, if Najee Harris were to go down for a game or two, I, I foresee it also being a running back by committee situation going in there to replace him. Uh, think about when Ryan Shazier went down in 2017. It was a uh, linebacker by committee to replace the skills that Ryan Shazier had. I foresee the Steelers kind of doing the same thing in this in this um, in this situation. As long as Najee Harris can stay healthy for for 17 games and in a, and postseason, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are talented and lucky enough to get to the postseason, uh, that's a tall stretch to to do so. But if you know, he is able to do so and stay healthy, then, you know, the running back two position really isn't going to be that all important because regardless of who is there, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin will not take out the bell cow running back unless needed to. We can all remember the antics by LeGarrette Blunt um, to get out of Pittsburgh because of the uh, fashion in which his carries were being distributed or the lack thereof. I don't know. I don't think that this was the move that the Steelers fans were looking for, but I think this is a move that the Pittsburgh Steelers were anticipated in doing. Uh, I'm excited about the pickup. I think it's going to help the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to help our passing, um, you know, our pass blocking. You know, last last season, Ben Roethlisberger had to get the ball out extremely fast. And the main reason was because not just his age, but, you know, also the, the offensive line wasn't the best. Yeah, I'm sure you guys can remember early on in the season of seeing the uh, – the images of Ben being plastered on the ground and many times picking himself up from the ground because of the inexperience of the offensive line and not knowing what to do in those situations. 
And so this pickup here is definitely going to help the pass blocking situation. It's going to give time for Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky uh, or even Mason Rudolph, whoever is the uh, week one starter, uh, is going to give them that extra time to find open receiver down the field. So it's a good pickup. Uh, I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers made the right move in releasing Trey Edmonds and signing Jerry McNichols. And I look forward to preseason to see what he can do for us. Mm. So the next move or the next hole, in my opinion, on the offensive side is one that, you know, has been getting a little bit of traction, but not really too much. But I've been, you know, if you follow me on YouTube at State of the Steelers, uh, you'll know that I've been kind of harping this out is I don't think that that left guard battle position is shored up as many folks may think. I know that the consensus, consensus week one starter at left guard is Kevin Dotson and and everybody's kind of anticipating him taking that battle and, and winning that one out. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. There's one thing that I've noticed about Dotson is that last year, well, first and foremost, last year, there was some reports indicating that there was an the coaching staff had an issue with Kevin Dotson. You know, it was speculated that it was conditional. Um, something about maybe his condition wasn't uh, up to par. And he began to take to, Instagram to post videos of his workout ethic and yada, yada, yada. However, it was then CERN, you know, found out later that it was more about a preparational issue versus a, um, a conditional issue as far as why the staff for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the coaching staff for the Pittsburgh Steelers were upset with, uh, with Kevin Dotson. You know, I think that perhaps he does lack in adjustability. If you remember his rookie season, when he would have fill-in spots, he never got out of the third down, uh, the three-down position. Whether the offense was passing or running the ball, he was in a three-point stance. What that tells me is that he lacks the ability to adjust and lacks the ability to adjust quickly. It took him an off-season to get into that position and even you know to be able to play in a two-point stance. And even at that, rumors speculated last year, like I mentioned, that the staff wasn't happy with him. Um, the rumors came out that the Steelers brought in Ray Turner, Trey Turner, I'm sorry. And initially it was thought because of, um, you know, what would happen was DeCastro ended up retiring and Trey Turner was signed. Uh, a lot of individuals, you know, thought that, that when the Steelers brought him in the first time, it was because they were, they were aware of DeCastro's soon to be retirement. However, it was speculated that the Steelers brought in Trey Turner to push Kevin Dotson to let him know that the position wasn't his at left guard. Now, Kevin Dotson is naturally a right guard. He played right guard for his entire college, collegiate career. And in high school, he stated that he's, um, you know, he's come out in, in, in a couple of interviews where he stated that he's not played um, prior to being with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had not played any other position other than right guard. And so for a man who might have a uh, problem adjusting, you know, going from right to left can be a big adjustment for him. You know, everything's different, movement's different, muscle memory is there for going to the right, now has to go to the left. He may struggle in that position. Now, Kendrick Green was naturally a left guard in college. He only played five games in college at the uh, center position. And, you know, he's come out and stated that he's feeling more comfortable at the left guard position. Now, one of the things that got uh, Green drafted and drafted in the position that he got was his ability to pull and his aggressiveness and his quickness. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have always um, appreciated a offensive lineman that can pull. You know, when they picked up um, 
Green in the draft, they were probably envisioning a Marquise Pouncey style, um, you know, center that's going to be running down the field, pulling in front of the running backs. And there was times where you saw that out of Kendrick Green last season, where he was out down the field and open in space and making blocks. But they also, the Pittsburgh Steelers also like that in the in their guards. Think of David DeCastro was a great puller. Alan Fanica was a great puller. If Kendrick Green can find a niche in that left guard position, I think that this battle can, you know, go a lot further than what most are anticipating. It was reported that on Wednesday, day two of uh, training camp, that Kevin Dotson was playing with the twos and Kendrick Green was with the ones. So I think the Steelers see that. I think they know that. And if anything else, this competition in this battle is only going to make both of these players better. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the competition. I'm excited about what it's going to bring. And it's only going to make the offensive line better. One that definitely needs to, because for the last two seasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been damn near the top or near the bottom when it comes to um, their ability to run the ball. And so it is um, definitely something that um, they're going to have to work on. And, and I feel that this competition is going to only make them better. And so with the last position or, or, or position room that I want to you know, kind of go over with on the offense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have you know, maybe need to work on is going to be the wide receiver room. Uh, this past offseason, the, uh, the Steelers lost their most veteran and experienced receivers in Juju Smith-Schuster and Ray Ray McLeod. And have only left um, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, you know, as the returning receivers. And the issue there is Claypool is a little bit, you know, his third year he was, uh, he had a, he's been known to be a, a guy that has some, maybe some immaturity issues, maybe not the guy that you want leading the room. And Deontay Johnson is a, a guy that's currently in a um, hold-in situation, similar taking a page out of T.J. Watt's um, year last year, similar to when T.J. Watt was, um, you know, doing a hold-in last year and, you know, participating in training camp and in individual drills. But when it came down to team drills, he was stepping out. Deontay Johnson's doing the same thing. The difference is, in my opinion, is Deontay Johnson wasn't snubbed last year as Offensive Player of the Year as T.J. Watt was going into his contract year. And um, also, you're not – no offense to Deontay Johnson, but he's not the best at his position like T.J. Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick. And so the – I don't foresee the Pittsburgh Steelers um, paying Deontay Johnson what he wants to get paid. And as of now, which this is recorded, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, he hasn't gotten paid. Uh, the, <laughs> this whole segment could be uh, worthless come Saturday morning if Deontay Johnson gets paid on Friday. But um, I don't anticipate it being the case. You know, biggest point or evidence in that situation is the fact that the Steelers went with Omar Khan as the general manager. And Omar Khan is, is known as the salary cap guru, as the finance guy. And anyone with a finance background knows you don't panic. You sell when things are high and you buy when things are low. Now, I don't think that Omar Khan is going to panic in this situation and pay Deontay Johnson more than not only Mika Fitzpatrick, but more than what he was worth just a few months ago. You know, if Omar Khan didn't think that Deontay Johnson was worth the 17, 18 million, 
that was reported out earlier this offseason, I don't I do not think that he's going to panic and pull the trigger on Deontay Johnson at 20 million a year. The wide receiver position is a position, in my opinion, that is inflated right now due to the fact of the success of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals last season. You know, um, I've stated it many times that this is a copycat league. And with what the uh, NFL teams have done here recently with the trade value that uh, majority of these teams have given up for uh, receivers and for positioning in the draft to draft receivers is insane. And I think that the price right now for the receiver is too high. Um, and I think that the new uh, talent that's come in is good enough to not have to pay that amount of money for a relatively unsure uh, receiver in Deontay Johnson. And it's not to his fault that he had an aging quarterback that had to throw the ball very quickly. However, in situational football, when things got heavy or things got important, playoff time, third down, in those pressure moments, Deontay Johnson sure did have a lot of drops that were highlighted because of the moment. Now, with that said, I understand that the pay scale is where it is and the value of the wide receiver position is what it is. However, at one time in history, the New Orleans Saints gave up the bag and the entire um, draft for a running back who, which where here recently, the Pittsburgh Steelers were ridiculed for taking one without giving up any draft capital in the first round. So just like um, anything else can change uh, or everything changes, I anticipate this being one of those things that are changing here pretty soon. The talent coming out of the draft is huge. And like I was mentioning earlier, the, the, the NFL is a copycat league. And what they saw, what Jamar Chase was able to do last season with the Bengals and get them to the playoffs, and based on how the NFL teams reacted in the draft and in offseason and free agency, I believe that they think that the uh, the success from the Cincinnati Bengals last season was probably more because of Jamar Chase than it was uh, Joey Burrow. I strongly believe that. And like I said, the evidence is in the way the, uh, the NFL teams acted. And so... And with that said, you know, Jamar Chase isn't a um, a receiver that was picked up in the free agency. He's a receiver that was picked up in the draft. Um, similar to his LSU counterpart in Justin Jefferson was a rookie, uh, is on a rookie contract and one of the best receivers in the game. You know, due to seven on seven and, and spring ball, these receivers and quarterbacks are coming into the league uh, significantly uh, more talented. And so I don't think that Deontay Johnson holding out is a good thing. I know that there's a lot of talk out there stating that he's doing it for himself and, and that if he gets hurt and he's listening to his agent and whatnot. However, the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback is going to be a new quarterback and most likely will be Mitch Trubisky. And so, Right now, Mr. Trubisky is building chemistry, building a reputation, building a relationship, I'm sorry, with other receivers not named Deontay Johnson. And if, like I said before, I do not anticipate the Steelers are going to give Deontay Johnson the extension that he's wanting. And so either Deontay Johnson is going to either have to fold and 
and build some type of cohesiveness with the quarterback, or he's going to hold out until the start of the season. And if he does that and his play is hindered by his um, absence in training camp, I feel that that's going to do more damage to, to Deontay Johnson um, as far as what he's trying to accomplish financially versus going to training camp, participating, and potentially even getting injured. I think if the last thing that the uh, NFL has on you is that you made it to a Pro Bowl, uh, you're still going to have a higher you know, free agency value next season versus if you held out this entire season or held out this entire preseason and then played in the regular season come week one and not played to your potential, maybe even get um, replaced or have snaps taken away for you for the rookie George Pickens who has made a – a uh, uh, has built some cohesiveness with the cohesiveness with the quarterback. Now, the other thing is, Mitch Trubisky has a receiver on this team that he is comfortable with and has a relationship and experience with in Anthony Miller. And so, I, I think this move by Deontay Johnson is one that, how can I put this? Well, in the words of my favorite commentator. Pepper Brooks, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I, for one, don't think it will, guys. Well, I'm going to take a quick break. Please don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to talk about what are the bigger needs on the defense and have Pittsburgh Steelers defense done enough. Uh, you don't want to miss it, so please stay tuned. I'll be right back. you stayed for the second part well i'm glad you did and welcome back uh in this sec in this um segment we're going to talk about the defense what are the bigger holes what are the uh, moves that the steelers still need to make on defense and we're going to start off with one that i've been um talking about most this offseason and that's going to be the outside linebacker position yes we have the reigning defensive player of the year in tj watt and he had 22 and a half sacks tied the single sack record last season and is on pace for being the all-time sack leader for the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, there's more than it's more than just a one-person position. It's not like the quarterback where there's only one out there. There are at times two, three outside linebackers on the field at one time. Now, across from TJ Watt is Alex Highsmith. Now, Alex Highsmith had, you know, or has, in my opinion, you know, Jeff, Jeff Hartman's greatest word, potential. He has a lot of potential. He's very quick, has a lot of moves, and and has created a lot of pressures for the quarterback. You know, where I come from, the saying is, close is only good for washers and horseshoes. And so, you know, I get it. He's across from T.J. Watt, and many of the times T.J. Watt got to that quarterback before he did. However, he only had six sacks last season. And in my opinion, he needs to double that this season to have a successful season. This is a big year for Alex Highsmith. This is his third year. He's going into a contract year next season. You know, if he wants to, you know, get an extension this offseason, he has to, you know, prove himself. Um, six sacks is not going to cut it. In my opinion, he needs 12. 
Uh, I know there's a lot of um, content creators and there's a lot of uh, media uh, personalities that are out there that are stating that 10 is the line for a good season for a defensive end. And I agree, it, it was the line when the season was 16 games. But as the, uh, the amount of games increase, shows, so should the line for the amount of sacks. And in my opinion, Alex Highsmith needs to hit 12. TJ Watt, you know, if the likelihood of him going over 22 and a half next season, um, you know, it's possible. He's done good every single year. He's gotten better every single season. He's not plateaued. He's not regressed. So it's possible that that can happen. But the likelihood is, is probably not there. Also, you know, the fact that the offense is hopefully going to be better this season and not have three and outs so often, that's also going to limit the opportunities for TJ Watt to collect so many different, so many sacks. And so with that being said, if TJ Watt, you know, he could still have 18, 19, 20 and still have a successful year, I mean, that would be a great year and probably one that would put him in contention for a, uh, a second defensive player of the year award. You know, however, if his sacks do go down by four or five, it has to be picked up somewhere else. And that has to be Alex Highsmith. You know, if he can come out and hit 12, uh, that will bode great things for not just our, our pass rush and our front seven, but also for the back end. That's where, you know, if you think back to 2019 when the Pittsburgh Steelers had an, so many different turnovers and they're doing great things. Well, that was also the season where TJ Watt and Bud Dupree both had uh, double-digit sacks on the outside. And so with that being said, I think that, you know, there is that concern. But even more concerning is that third outside linebacker rotational piece. Last season, Taku Carlton participated in 11 games. And out of those 11 games, he played 28% of the defensive snaps. That is significant time on the field. Also with him was Derek Tuska, who participated in, in, in more games. He was in 25 games. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, he was in 15 games, but he uh, he still participated in 24% of the defensive snaps. That is a huge amount. Now, I understand that both TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith had some lingering groin injuries throughout the season last year. However, the um, that doesn't, you know, stop the fact that the third rotational piece plays significant time. And right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have Derek Tuska, Jannard Avery, and the camp phenom, Tuzar Skipper, as far as that, you know, competition for that third outside piece. Now, there's been many times where the defense had three outside linebackers on the field. You know, I don't think that was a package that was created just solely for Melvin Ingram. You know, I think that's a package that the Pittsburgh Steelers would love to use. And however, they need the players to use it and to effectively, you know, be able to participate in that type of place. And so, uh, I think that the next move could very well be another outside linebacker, given the depth that is behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Uh, I think it's very much well needed. It's going to be a, um, the defense is going to be hurting tremendously if either one of those young men, Alex Highsmith or TJ Watt, go down for any significant amount of time. Um, that is the one of the biggest holes that are left on the defense, in my opinion. The next big hole, in my opinion, is going to be the cornerback position. Last year, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers allowed 
Joe Hayden to walk. He was the um, most experienced and tenured cornerback on the squad. And I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to really miss that experience, that knowledge, that leadership that he brought to the team. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers had Akilah Weatherspoon on the team last season. He didn't make a, a, a an appearance of, of uh, importance until after Joe Hayden became injured. And Akilah Weatherspoon took advantage of the situation that he had. He had three picks last season in, in, um, in playing for the injured Joe. And so yeah, he, was, he was a very solid guy. He came in, did very well. The Pittsburgh Steelers also signed Levi Wallace in the offseason as well. Now both both players got the same contract. You know, at first I was thinking that both players were going to be playing opposite side. One side would be Leo, Levi Wallace. One side would be Akilah Weatherspoon. But it doesn't seem to be the case. So far in training camp, it's been a rotation between um, between the cornerbacks opposite side of Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton has been playing on the outside uh, and has been the uh, pretty much consistent. Even even Arthur Millette has gotten some um, rotation with the outside, replacing Levi Wallace at certain points. Now, I don't know if that you know it's football and short still pads having gone on. I'm sure they're just trying. The Pittsburgh Steelers are just trying to see what's the best combination and the best fit. But I I, I do see a consistency in Cam Sutton being the uh, consistent cornerback on the field. Now, why that's an issue is because Cam Sutton isn't a speedster, and if Levi Wallace is opposed to him, Levi Wallace ain't a speedster. And so when the Pittsburgh Steelers go up against the likes of Jamar Chase or any other receiver that can are extremely quick, Tyreek Hill, it could bow for some um, some disaster. Now, Killer Weatherspoon, he's, he's got some good speed, but uh, Levi Wallace was a 4'6 guy. He's a uh, he was a walk on in Alabama, undrafted free agent. You know, very much similar uh, story to like a uh, Mike Hilton minus the size. This guy's very large. Um, I'm not sure about this position, to be honest with you guys. I think that this might be one of the positions that gets picked up right before the season starts. Think of like when the Cleveland Browns released Joe Hayden right as the season was about to start, and the Pittsburgh Steelers picked him up. I think that we could see another move like that if a uh, number one cornerback is dropped, um, you know, around the, the time the season starts, I can see the Steelers make a move for him. You know, the Steelers need to do something. Uh, I think they got burned last season when they put all their trust in Justin Pierre. And uh, I feel like I've gotten burned watching that myself. So hopefully we don't come across the same situation and we learn a little bit from history. Now, the last question that's out there on the defense comes at a uh, maybe not a hole and maybe not something that needs to uh, a, a player needs to be picked up or or uh, acquired for to fill. And that's going to be the middle, uh, the inside linebacker position. Now, like I mentioned, uh, the reason why this is a uh, concern or a question on here is because of the lack of play that happened last season from the middle linebackers. Um, Devin Bush did not play very well. He was coming off of an ACL injury. Um, a lot of a lot of folks have kind of indicated his poor play or attributed his poor play to the injury. I don't think so. Uh, I went back and was looking at the Minnesota Vikings loss, and several times uh, 
during that game, Devin Bush was running himself out of position, not maintaining gap integrity and allowing for cutbacks and, and whatnot throughout the, uh, and over pursuing throughout the plays, which allowed for um, Cook to really cook the Steelers defense last season. And so um, one of the things that, you know, nobody really attributes also to the bad play of Devin Bush last season was the loss of, um, of uh, his positional coach for majority of the season. Jerry O wasn't there. Um, his wife had passed away tragically in early October of last season. And, and Jerry O took a leave of absence from that point for the rest of the season. And that positional coach is super important for the players. That positional coach is who helps them on their adjustments during the game, during halftime, a whole nine yards. And so I think that a lot of folks are overlooking that. And, and in the acquisition of Brian Flores, um, having him working one-on-one -on -one with Devin Bush and and Miles Jack is really going to help that tandem grow together and hopefully be a a uh, a strong unit as a tandem this uh, um, this season. I think that the Brian Flores acquisition is probably one of the most underrated, less talked about acquisitions in the offseason for the position that he that we got. For instance. I feel that the uh, acquisition gets a lot of talk because of the uh, lawsuit and not a lot of talk because of the uh, the quality of the coach. And, you know, I've, I strongly feel that Brian Flores is, could be uh, – Brian Flores could be one of the uh, top 32 in the league, uh, could be a head coach for a team out there, and to have him as a positional coach is going to really, really benefit uh, Devin Bush and Miles Jack. And so uh, I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to get back into a position where they are, uh, are going to have a strong defense. Um, I know there's some holes out there. The outside linebacker and cornerback position are the ones that are the most concerned. If the Pittsburgh Steelers can stay healthy, I feel that they're going to have a strong season this year. And um, I anticipate them continuing to maintain um, – the lead in the in the sack record for this as a as a collective unit. I expect them to go back up in turnovers and create more turnovers and be a similar unit to the 2019 season. And you know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can be a uh, defensively what they were in 2019 and offensively be, you know, a better version of that season, uh, I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers will be contenders in the AFC and will make a playoff run. Um, but that's all I got for you guys today. I want to say I want to say thank you to everybody who's who's listened there, and um, let's do this again next week. Hey.